That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you caught last week's episode with Jack Canfield. We talked about the 30-day sobriety solution. It was a great episode, a lot of good stuff in there. Be sure to check that one out. Today's guest is Aaron Walker from viewfromthetop.com. I had a great conversation with this man. He is a great dude, really just a genuine guy. He really has a passion to help other people, and you're going to hear that in his voice in some of the stories that he tells and some of the advice that he has to give He's got a strong desire for personal development, and and I think you're going to see that in this episode. He's also been part of a weekly mastermind group for more than a decade with Dave Ramsey, and we talk about what a mastermind group is and how they started their mastermind group 10 or 15, 20 years ago, I think almost at this point, and he gets into what it is to really go after what you want in life. And I think as as alcoholics, as addicts, as some of us who struggle with different things, maybe we don't put a label on it. Maybe it's just us out there struggling with things in life. We are creative people. God has blessed us with a unique gift, each and every one of us. And it's up to us to find that and pursue it. You know, if you're stuck in some place you don't want to be, then move your ass and your mind will follow. That's a classic one. So Aaron talks a little bit about this. He talks about how you can go about this, where you can get started, the importance of men's groups and women's groups and mastermind groups, recognizing visions, dreams, and goals, how to step out of our comfort zone, talked about delayed gratification, which was a huge one. And also he shares a great story about his father and how important it is to build relationships with people. And to top it all off, check this out. So For those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan. Johnny Cash is the man in my eyes, right? I love his deep-seated passion of good and evil and that battle in between. My son's name is Cash. I grew up, you know, going to garage sales with my grandma, listening to Johnny Cash. And I talked a little bit about this with Aaron at the end. But I found out, being from Nashville, that Aaron actually knew Johnny Cash. And so I had him share a little bit of insight and what he knew about him, what was something maybe that nobody knew about Johnny Cash. So that was a very interesting and great part of this conversation too. So we're going to get to Aaron in just a minute. First, a word from our sponsor. At Foundations Recovery Network, our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. In our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our heroes in recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery. And stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. 
call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Also, are you looking for a sobriety app? Check out I Am Sober, so I Am Sober app. I Am Sober is a motivational companion app for tracking your sobriety. Along with tracking your sobriety, it helps reach key milestones like seven days or one month and send you daily motivation along the way. You can also combine your stats with sober clubs and meet fellow sobriety seekers. You can find it on the App Store, Google Play, or you can visit I Am Sober app. Dot com. Check that out. I'm digging the I Am Sober app. I said it last week. I love the daily notifications on it. Um, I have two months. I'm sorry. I have two years, eight months, and 12 days of sobriety. And I've saved $14,775 as of today. I wish I had all that money, though. That would be nice. Should I had put that $15 a day that I estimated um, in a, an account? That's how much I would have today. Unfortunately, I don't have that. But still, it's nice being able to use the I Am Sober app and check it out. My next milestone, which it'll give you as well, is three years. And that'll come on September 11th, 2016. But I'm living by the day. I'm staying plugged into today. I try not to get too far ahead of myself looking at you know, what's in the future. I just want to focus on today couple more things and then we'll get to the interview with Aaron Walker. Become a member of That Sober Guy community. Go to thatsoberguy.com, enter your email address and get access to the private Facebook group. The six quick tips to quit drinking. Little thing I created. There's not some magic answer in there. It's just some things that I use to help me get started. So don't expect to read it and all of a sudden you're going to be cured from your alcoholism or your addictions. It doesn't work like that. But what it will do is give you some ideas on how to get started and how to kind of get focused around what are some key things that I can do to start down this path of recovery. Speaking of the Facebook private group, you can also search it on Facebook, Sober Guy, Sober Girl. Request an ad. There's some great people in there. It's a great place to hold some accountability, to bounce some ideas off people in there if you have something that you're going through something you need some advice on and last but not least let's get to the weekly itunes review this one comes from i'm a codependent it says hearing your story hits home with me and gives me hope and encouragement you're truly living the word and preaching a great message i would love to hear more from the jess and how she has dealt with things and how she stays so supportive my boyfriend and i have been together over 10 years and i was there through it all And he is on month nine of rehab and will be visiting for the first time in nine months next month. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the great review. And, you know, I just hang in there. I really wish you the best with everything, with your relationship. And uh, just keep working. Just keep working at it. That's that's the best advice I could give you. It's not easy, but keep working. If you love somebody, um, you know, there's definitely boundaries that have to be set. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't. You know, I don't have some certificate, some degree, but I can only tell you what's what's helped Jess and I. And um, it's really been the fact of, of that we kept working, we kept going. We did set clear boundaries and we were able to communicate, whether it's through therapy, which we did, whether it's through um, ourselves in, in reading and understanding, finding our faith. Those are the types of things that have helped. So I really wish you the best in that. Thanks again. 
Also, we'll definitely be having the Jess come back on soon. I love having her on, and we'll definitely do that here in the next few episodes. So without further ado, here's Mr. Aaron Walker. Folks, welcome to That Sober Guy Podcast, another episode. I have an amazing guest for you today, Mr. Aaron Walker from viewfromthetop.com. Aaron, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? Hey, Shane, my pleasure, buddy. Man, what an honor it is to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. And um, let's start with introducing yourself and giving us a little bit about your background, Aaron. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm a native Nashvilleian. Uh, I don't want to make this show too much about me, but I'll tell you a little bit just to give you context. Sure. So, so I started at 13 years old working in a local pawn shop. Didn't even know what a pawn shop was, Shane, for the first two weeks that I worked there. My dad remodeled it, and I asked the owner for a job and fell in love with the business, went to summer school and night school, graduated early. At 18 years old, I met a couple of guys that had a lot of money because we didn't have any, and I mean anybody. We were broke. And so went out and went in partners with these two guys, and uh, we opened up our own pawn shop, and it did really good. Right out of the gate, God just really blessed our business. And two weeks after Robin graduated from high school, we got married. So at 19 and 18, we were married. We continued to invest in the business. We decided to delay gratification and not up our lifestyle, but we decided to pour all the money back into the business, and we did. Shane, listen to this. In 36 (laughs) months, we paid off a 10-year loan to pay. So we were 21 years old, had a paid-for business. We had two little girls by this time, and or one little girl. Another one came just two years later. But then we invested in another store, and then another store, and then another store. And I was 27 years old. We had four really nice stores. And a company called Cash America in Fort Worth, Texas, wanted to be in Tennessee. They came and Shane, they rung that bell. They said, Hey, (laughs) we want to be there and we want these stores more than you do. And we're willing to make a really good offer. And I was done, man, at 27. And I'm like, golly, I went from nothing to retiring at 27. And I thought, man, what a life this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what happened though. So 18 months later, I'm getting in the bed in the middle of the day and, uh, I'm like, gaining weight. I gained 50 pounds in 18 months. And Robin woke me up one day and she goes, what are you doing? This is not the guy I married. What are you doing? (laughs) And I said, well, I don't have any reason to get up. I mean, like nobody's depending on me and work and, you know, I'd played golf and I'd fished and all that stuff. And that was fun for a little while, but that even gets old. A lot of people say, well, I'd like to try it. Well, I mean, it's fun for a little while, but then you got to have a reason to get up. Sure. So she said, you got to go back to work. You got to get a job or start another business or whatever. I don't care what you do, but you got to get up, man. So I went back and went partners with a guy I started with when I was a kid, and we grew that business four times the size it was. I was 50% partner, and things were good. I had a three-day work week, and I was off four days. The next week, I'd work three, off four. I did that for 10 years, and I mean, it was like a dream. And so August 1st, 2001, man, I'm headed to the office. Things are good. It's a Wednesday morning, 730 in the morning. Things are good. You know, it's hot and muggy in Nashville in August, but I'm tooling down the highway and things are good. And all of a sudden this guy crossed the street to catch a bus and didn't look my way. And 
ran right out in front of me, oh, and uh, I ran over and killed a pedestrian. Wow. And, uh, man, you're talking about rocking your world, Shane. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but everything slows down to a crawl. Mm. It's like watching a movie. It's like an out-of-body experience. And I'm thinking, God, please, no. I mean, this didn't just really – I mean, not yeah. this didn't happen. And I'm scared to turn around, really. And I, I finally turn around, and this guy's laying face down the street. Cars are stopping everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. So I get out, call 911, make a long story short. The guy's name was Enrique. He was 77 years old uh, from the Philippines, and he just didn't see me. He yeah. just didn't see me, and he ran right out in front of me. And So anyway, Robin and I, over the next couple of months, we talked through it, and we prayed about it, and we said, you know what, man? We've been chasing money all of our life, and I'm done. I'm, I'm selling out. I'm 40 years old at the time. Huh. I said, I'm, I'm done. So we sold the business. And I took five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. I had to get my legs under me. You know, I had to, you don't just, you know, go through an accident like that and get over it. Right. God gives you the grace though, to deal with everything in our life. And he gave me the grace to deal with it. So five years later, she woke me up again. She said, are you getting fat and lazy again? It's time to do something. So I went in the construction business and we built small commercial and high end residence and, um, Really did good at it. We built that to number one builder three consecutive years. And I turned 50 years old in that process. And I said, okay, I'm done now. I'm really done. Robbie goes, you've retired more than the law allows. It ought to be against the law to retire this So my buddy, uh, I'm in a mastermind group with some guys you may or may not know. Dave Ramsey is in there. Dan Miller, 48 Days of Work You Love. Ken Abraham, he's got 110 books in print. He's a nationally known author and seven times New York Times bestseller. He's just a cool guy. And I'm not name dropping. I'm not telling you this to drop names. I'm telling you this to tell you that we've been together 20 years. Those guys weren't the guys they are today 20 years ago. So there's value, man, in being in a mastermind group to help each other grow their businesses. So they encouraged me to coach. And so now I own View from the Top, and I have clients all over. We facilitate mastermind groups. We have the community. And, man, I'm having more fun today than I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. God, there's so many, so many, uh, so many little things in there I want to touch on. And I think first, first I'll start with this. Um, I myself, um, through who, through Larry Hagner from the good dad project who connected us, um, was recently introduced to, to mastermind group. And, um, I got to understand a little bit what a mastermind group is. Um, I think that there's still many out there who like myself just, you know, a month ago, didn't, don't really know what a mastermind group is. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what a mastermind group is, what it does for you, um, how, how it works? Yeah, I'd love to. They've changed my life. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I facilitate them now. And I've got eight groups. And uh, I've got some of the greatest guys on the planet that's in our groups. There's 10 of us. And we come together in a video conference room every week at the same time. Lives are being changed. We're being held accountable. We're being influenced. We're making connections. Uh, we call each other to task. We encourage each other on. It's just like your own personal board of directors. Yeah, yeah. But I've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, I've been in these groups, accountability groups and mastermind groups for over 20 years, close to 30 years. 
And if it wasn't for those guys, I don't know what I would do, quite honestly, because isolation is terrible. It's yeah. like you're in the office by yourself, like, well, what do I do now? And <laughs> this way you go to your guys and you go, hey, I got this idea. And they're either going to say, hey, maybe you're onto something or that's the worst idea I've ever heard. What yeah. are you doing? Yep. And so you want trusted advisors that are non-biased. You don't want family members. You don't want business partners because they got something to gain or lose. What you want is people that can give you advice that have nothing to gain or lose, right? Then you're going to get an honest answer. And so Dave Ramsey invited me to join his group forever ago, and and I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even heard of a mastermind group. Yeah, talk about that. I know he came to you um, when he was just starting up the the radio show and and, and kind of approached you. you. Can you tell a little bit more in detail about that? Sure, sure. So in 1995, we had just built a brand-new pawn shop, state-of-the-art, 10,000 square feet. It was beautiful. I, I was proud of it. Sure. And I went to a Chamber of Commerce breakfast, and there was this guy there speaking that was going to start this radio show to tell you how to take care of your money. And so I went and listened to him, you know, and after it was over, I went up and introduced myself, and he did himself. And I said, hey, I got a store two miles down the road. Come check it out. So he came up there and looked at it, and he goes, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. He goes, I want you to advertise on my show. And I said, I'm not advertising on anything. I don't even know who you are. (laughs) And he said, "Uh, well, listen, it's called The Money Game. And he said, I want you to be one of my sponsors. I said, no, thank you. He said, what if I give you a week free? And I said, well, I can't lose with that. So I did. Well, listen, man, (laughs) in three days, I had people coming in there like crazy and they were buying stuff. And I called him and I said, listen, that was Dave Ramsey. I said, Dave, these people have drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid. I don't know what it is you're selling exactly, but sign me up. Well, man, that was 21 years ago. We've been an advertiser on his show, either a company I own or have owned for 21 years, longest running sponsor of, you know, Dave's show that he's ever had. And so he was on one radio station then. Now he's on 800. Uh, He had, you know, a handful of listeners in Nashville. Now he's got 8 million listeners a day. And I've got to see that up close and we've become personal friends and, you know, shared a relationship now for 20 years. And it's just been a fun, fun time. Well, a few years later, he came to me and he said, hey, I've uh, started a mastermind. I want you to be a part of it. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never even heard of a mastermind. Yeah, what's a mastermind group? That's what I said. What in the heck is a mastermind group? He said, trust me, come to my (laughs) office and you'll see. So I came to his office. He's got a really nice conference room off his office and nine other guys there. And I had no clue who they were. And I introduced myself and it was awkward at first. It was like, I don't even know who you guys are. What am I doing in here? So anyway, we met month after month, and I started to like it. And I'm like, man. So I started being a little more transparent, a little more honest, and I started telling a little bit more about what's going on in my life. And I thought, you know, it's 45 minutes from my house. I don't know any of these people, so I'm even going to be a little more transparent. So I started talking about personal things that I was going through and trials I was having, you know, like in my marriage. And, you know, and then they started giving me advice, and I'm like, well, this is working. Yeah. And I go back and I say, give me some more. You know, here's what I'm facing now. So all these guys started sharing and we had this confidentiality thing. Hey, whatever we talked about in there stayed in there. So I'm thinking, man, I got guys been married longer than me and they're giving me advice and it's working. Why would I not want to do that? Now we start talking yeah. about business, same way in business. And I'm like, dude, I have found my own board of directors. I mean, <laughs> this is like phenomenal. Well, The rest is history. I mean, I've done that now all these years, and it saved me from running off in the ditch. It's like, 
why would I think that I know best by myself? Why would I not want to listen to guys that are smart that uh, have my best interest at heart? And so it just went from there. We read books together. I've read hundreds of books with these guys. We study all the time. Uh, we have, you know, uh, vacations that we would take together. Uh, we would do social activities here locally. And we built this friendship. Now we do like weddings and funerals and yeah. we, we get to cheer each other on and encourage one another and you do life with them. And that's what we've replicated <clears throat> yeah, with that, Iron Sharpens Iron, the group I facilitate now. Yeah, I love that Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, I, I heard that recently and uh, it's um, it's a great a great mantra, definitely. Um, I, I also, you know, just being on this topic that we're, that we're getting into now of the, of the value, um, and the importance of, of being in, in groups, right? So in, in the recovery aspect, if we were to look at this from a recovery, um, you know, point of view, groups are so important. A lot of us are, that are in recovery are, are part of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or celebrate recovery through our local churches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm part of a men's group on Wednesday nights through the church and, and just some, some phenomenal guys in there, you know, as men, we're not taught when we're young to communicate, to understand, to talk about these things, what's bothering us, what's on our mind, what are our dreams, our aspirations, our goals. And so I don't, I I think that the point here, whether it's a mastermind group, whether it's a, a recovery group that you're, you know, that you're getting into, um, or it's, it's something through the church that you're trying to, I mean, it's such an important aspect um, can you talk a little bit about what you've what you've seen some of the guys out of your groups who've made that step um, to to open themselves up, let that pride down, let that ego go, and then yeah. step out and and let's improve because for for many of us that struggle with with alcohol with drugs, um, that's a big part of it. That's just a symptom of the problem. The real problem is us. So taking that personal responsibility and saying, how can I? help myself. I'm responsible for me. And part of that is opening up. So, I mean, what, what are some things that you've seen just some, some of these men that have came through your groups, uh, achieve? Well, the first thing you've got to do is what you said. You've got to take ownership of stuff first. That's the first step is yeah. you got to say, Hey, I can't blame anybody else. I can't pawn this off on anybody else. This is me. It is what it is. Some things in life are just not fair. Other things we cause and create ourselves, whatever. It doesn't even make any difference. I don't even care what the reason. It doesn't even matter. You got to take ownership. So that's the first thing you got to do. The next thing you've got to do in order to grow is be willing to subject yourself to the scrutiny of others. I just got off a call 15 minutes ago in a mastermind group I was leading. One of the guys had something that he was doing and he, it was harmless, but it wasn't good for his business. And so he jumped in and was, we called him out on it. He jumped in and he was kind of defending it a little bit. Well, at the end of the day, these guys want best for him, but he's saying, okay, you're right. So he fixed it before we got off the call. He was like, right. you know what? I didn't see that. Didn't know it. Like, here we go. You got to let the veil down. Here's things with guys. The alpha male kicks in. We want everybody to think we're big and bad. We got it all together. And I'm like, we don't. We're a bunch of knuckleheads. Nobody's (laughs) got it all together. I don't care who you – I've been in our mastermind groups where I could call men's name. They'd cry like a baby. I will too. It's certain things happen in our lives that we can't control. And, you know, we don't have it all together. We're not tough guys. We got areas we're strong. But man, we got areas we need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And so you got to let that veil down because strength comes in transparency. 
Strength comes in honesty. Strength comes when you're willing to subject yourself to the scrutiny of guys around you that want to help you. Once you get in that posture, it is unbelievable what you can accomplish. But it takes guys a long time to get there. We've got guys now, we got guys that are startups. We got guys that run $100 million companies in our organization. But the level, the playing field is level when you get in that group. It doesn't matter how much money you got. We all deal with the same things. It's just got more zeros on some of them, right? So don't underestimate what you're doing or don't undervalue the what you're trying to accomplish. It's just like Dave Ramsey says, there's just more zeros on some things than others. (laughs) But it's still important to you. And I'm just telling you, man, when you let the veil down to a few people, not to everybody, I'm not saying go out into the world and do that. I'm saying in a closed group with a group of guys that care about you, when you do that, you'll grow quick. To switch gears here, I, I actually, I just got a text from a buddy of mine, Christian, and uh, he's, he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he actually, he says, hey, can you, ask, can you ask Aaron this? He says, how instrumental is your relationship with God and how has it played a role in your success and your work-life balance? Oh, yeah. Man, what a great question. I'd love to camp out on this the rest yeah. of the conversation. <laughs> I know we can't, but I know. Well, let, let, let me say this, first of all. First of all, I'm a Christ follower. Uh, I was saved when I was nine years old. I'm a Christian. Now, let me go ahead and expound on that a little bit. I don't like religion. What I like is a relationship. And, you know, we get all hung up in religion uh, but I'm a Christ follower. I believe in Christ. I believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. No way but to the Father except through Jesus. That's the way I believe. So that's me. So you can hang up if you want to or you can cut me off or whatever. <laughs> no. It's just that's who oh, I, I am. Love it. And so I believe that it's paramount. Now let me tell you why. There are people that are not Christ followers that are very successful financially. Mm-hmm. But I believe in order to be successful in its entirety, there needs to be the element of faith. I believe in God leading me on a daily basis. The first hour to hour and a half every day for me is spent in meditation, prayer, scripture reading, uh, praise and worship every day, five days a week. I don't do it on Saturday and Sunday, but I do Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. I get up early in the first hour to hour and a half every day is spent doing that. I have two prayer lists, all for my immediate family by name. I pray for every one of them by name every day. And then I have another list that's for friends and clients. And I pray for every one of my clients that I coach individually. Wow. And I pray for my Iron Sharpens Iron guys, the community. I pray. I have a number of close friends that I pray for every day. And I just think that we've got to stay hooked up to the source. And for me, he's the source. And so that's my position on how important it is to me. Uh, There's no way I could have gone through the things that I've gone through, the trials, the tribulations, uh, the devastations. I've been through some tough stuff. Listen, when you're successful, it's not all straight uphill. I've had some relationship problems. I've had some Problems, you know, with that wreck that I had to go through five years to go through that, man. Yeah. I couldn't have gone through that alone. And so I am totally dependent on my faith. I mean, how do you, how do you guide somebody or is it really, can you guide them to stepping outside of their comfort zone to seeing that there is 
another way. There's another light. There's another way to do things. There's a, you know, there's, there's faith, you know, um, what what Mm -hmm. would be your take on that? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you can see it all in black and white, you don't need faith. Mm. So for me, the unknown, the faith part is trusting in God almighty. Listen, man, if he made and created the universe, Right, he can yeah. take care of me. Yeah, <laughs> he can take care of the things that I've got going on. Where the rubber meets the road is if you're willing to accept what he has for you. See, a lot of people are like, you know, I want it this way. Well, that may not be best for you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the way that God has for you may not be the way that you see it being best. Listen, good things or bad things happen to good people. It just does. We live in a carnal world. I mean, things happen, and we could get into the theology of that, but we won't do that today. Yeah, we'll be here but, for the rest of the yeah, afternoon. Th- things just happen. <laughs> you know, it is. And I don't want to depend on myself, right? I'm not smart enough to figure all this out. So through prayer, through Scripture reading, God gave us a textbook called the Bible. It's got all the answers in it for our problems, our dilemmas, but you've got to be willing to trust him. And it takes a measure of faith. If you don't have a measure of faith, because some things you can't see. And a lot of people say, well, you show me, you know, what God looks like, or you show me, and I I, I can't do that. That's like me saying, well, I mean, you're breathing, but I can't show you air, right? It's there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And it's the same way with our faith. Uh, there's too, you know what? There's too sci- much scientific evidence in the Bible for people not to believe it. Yeah. I, I talked recently to a guy that's an atheist, and he's in our group, and we talked at length. And I said, "Listen, it takes more faith for you to believe being an atheist than it does for me to believe in God, huh. because what you're saying what? is is that all this just happened one day. We just woke up one day, and all this stuff was that takes more faith." To believe that yeah, than it does for yeah. me to believe in a supreme being. Yeah. So then he kind of said, well, maybe there is something. I said, well, you're not atheist anymore. At least you're agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, That's we good. had a great discussion on that. Yeah. We've had some further discussions on that too. The thing is, is uh, it's real. Uh, there, there is a creator and I would love for you to know him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's really been uh it's been a great thing um, for my wife and I and our kids to to kind of go on this journey and start to start to learn and start to understand mm-hmm. and start to build a relationship with Jesus Christ and with God and with um, people around us that have mm-hmm. similar beliefs and uh, uh-huh. it's great, man. It really is. Well, it gives you a sense of peace that surpasses all of our understanding when you count on a higher power. Yeah. Sure, sure, and uh, it—I mean, it—it it, it got Great me question. sober. It got me sober. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Christian, mm-hmm. for that for that question too, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, man. That's a good one. Thanks, man. Um, how about uh, how about talking about delayed gratification? I've heard you uh-huh. talk a little bit about that. I think that that is such a relevant topic when it comes to recovery, because we want the immediate thing and we want it right now. And, and we don't really care a lot of the times what it takes to get it. Now that can be a number of different things. What's your take on delayed gratification and how do you address that? Yeah. Well, I did it and didn't even know what it was called. And I later in, you know, as you know, as I've gotten older, 
labeled it delayed gratification. I just didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. Dave Ramsey talks about it all the time now. And I said, I was talking about this before Dave <laughs> started the show, you know, live like no one else today, <laughs> right? Live like no one else today. So tomorrow you can live like no one else. And yeah. the reason that I even came up with that is Robin and I came from a very poor background. Now, let me give a little context to that. So you'll know what I'm talking about. And I'm not crying and belly aching. I'm not, I'm just, Telling you the truth. Yeah. I was raised with uh, two brothers and a sister and my mom and dad in about a 700-square-foot house that my dad paid $6,500 for, which we later lost in bankruptcy. Okay? So my dad was a general contractor. When That sounds really big now, but what I mean was he swung the hammer and he dug the footings with a shovel. Yeah. I mean, my dad built houses, like little houses, and my mom would put canned goods in the pantry during the summer and nail a board over half of it. So in the winter, we'd have something to eat. Okay, wow. so I know all about being broke. My wife at the time wasn't my wife, my girlfriend. She was broker than that, <laughs> if that's possible. Okay, so we didn't come from a privileged background. So what I'm getting at is that we have to make our way. Right. Yeah. You have to decide that you want to do better, that you want to do good. You have to make your own way. So when we got these stores, it was a God given opportunity. I met two guys that owned the twenty first largest insurance agency in the country at the time. And I went to them and said, Why don't we take your money and my experience and open these pawn shops? Well, we yeah. did. So here's my point. I told Robin, we can't mess this up. <laughs> we yeah. may never get this chance again. <laughs> and so I said, let's take all the money, put it back in, pay it off, open another store later if that's the way. It, instead of building a lifestyle that was on a deck of cards, you know, if yeah. one fell, it all go. Yeah. That's what people do now. It's like they want to, they want the big boat. They don't care what it costs, how much is the payment. Man, don't do that. If you're doing that, stop doing that because yeah. that's going to catch you down the road. What you want to do is how good a shape can I get in early, right? So here's what I did. And i tell you this because you can do this. If you're hearing my voice, you can do this. I'm telling you. My mom raised me with a slogan, can't, couldn't do it, and could did it all. She wouldn't allow us to say can't. She go, you're going to try. You might not be able to do it, but you're going to at least try. Well, by doing that, it developed self-confidence. And I had a higher self-esteem because some of the things she was making me try worked. And so I kept doing it and it worked. So I built this self-confidence up and this self-esteem up. And then people today, though, they want to, they want it now. They want like, I want the boat. I want the house. I want the money. So here's what I did. Robin and I, we bought a building. And we said, let's get a tenant. So we got a tenant. They moved in the building. We let the tenant pay rent. And over a 25-year period, I didn't do anything smart. It just yeah. took time. <laughs> the building's paid for, and it provides an income that I can live on. Well, I delayed the gratification. I could have took some of the money along the way. Yeah, Had a little bigger house, little better car, little nicer vacation. But now I'm still pretty young, and I've got an income that's a residual income. Uh, and then we have other things that we're doing. It's just looking out further than Friday and, and yeah. next month. Uh, have a little longer view, right? Look down the road a little bit and go, you know what? Uh, that day's coming and I want to be prepared. 
and don't think you have to have everything today. Sure. So I think parallel with all of this, with with business, with uh, with our faith, um, with recovery, of course, you had said something that I heard recently that really, really stood out to me, and it was that relationships are paramount. And mm-hmm. I have came a long way, and I still have a long way to go. But um, you know, in in my growth in learning the importance of building genuine relationships with people and genuinely caring, you know, about other people, not just myself has been so huge for me as a person, for my family, for my recovery, uh, for my friendships. Um, you have a great story about your father, mm-hmm. and I would yeah. love it if you if you would share sure. that with, uh, with us. I'd love to, Shane. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, let me just say this. I've soon to be 40 years in business. I've got about 38 now being an entrepreneur. I've had, I don't know, 10 or 12 businesses. I've either bought, sold, started, every one of them without a doubt, have been built on relationships. No doubt, hands down, we spend a third of our time developing new relationships. My dad taught me this by accident. Shane, you would love my dad. I mean, (laughs) if my dad were to be with you in five minutes, you would want to hug my dad. My dad, oh, oh, golly, my dad loved people. My dad was a horrible businessman. I mean, he was terrible, but he loved people. And so my dad died in 2006 and uh, we're at the funeral home and I'm standing there at the casket with my two brothers and my sister. And we're greeting the people that are there to pay their condolences. And the line started at two 30 in the afternoon. And I thought, man, people are coming early. Well, then I looked up in 15 minutes, the line was to the parking lot down the hall Mm -hmm. outside. The line went outside. I thought, man, everybody's coming early. We stood there six hours. It was an hour and a half wait to get in the line. Now, my dad never made over $15,000 a year in his life, ever. So it wasn't wasn't that my dad was popular, you (laughs) know, but my dad loved people. Here's the way it went. Everybody that shook my hand said, let me tell you what your dad did for me. Let me tell you how your dad was there for me when I needed it. Let me tell you how your dad gave my kids candy. Let me tell you how he always came and helped. He was supportive. He was an encourager. He lifted us up when we were down. Your dad was always there. Do you know not one person said your dad had a nice boat, a nice car, a nice house? They didn't care. Mm. What they care about is the relationship. My dad impacted their lives. As a person, every single person, people from 10 years old to 75 years old was standing there, tears running down their face going, I'm better as a result of having known your dad. Wow. And I thought we spend 95% of our time trying to get more stuff instead of building what lasts, and that's relationships. At the end of the day, man, I promise all we have is the relationships. People don't care about your stuff. Yeah. I promise you they don't. Your kids don't even care about your stuff. Your kids spell love, T-I-M-E. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that's building relationships. Now, listen, I don't want to be the guy that's got money that says money doesn't mean anything. I want to go, you liar. It does. It's important. <laughs> we all need it. But don't make it God. Don't make it first priority. Don't make it the only reason you get up each and every day. If you will change your attitude and focus more on the relationship, you'll have more financial possessions because more people want to be around you. The natural reciprocity of buying your product, buying your service, because you're focused on them. 
right? Not yourself. Yeah. People don't care what you've got. What they care is, is how your life makes a difference in theirs. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you don't hear nothing else I'm saying about anything, build real relationships yeah. intentionally. Don't do it to get, right? Don't do that. People see you blowing smoke a mile away. Do it because you genuinely care. God, thanks for sharing that that story about your father. And um, it's just, it's so inspiring to to hear that. And I think that I think that you're so right in that when we really focus on that, the rest will fall into place. And really, nobody does yeah. care. No, no one cares. And if they care, then they probably don't matter anyway. You know, <laughs> you know what, Shane? This is a funny story. Just real quick. Yeah. Uh, my dad and I fished all over together. Every week of my life, we went fishing somewhere together. We fished tournaments and stuff. And we were in this thing called Gallatin Bass Club. And uh-huh. uh, I later became president of it. My dad didn't want nothing to do with any leadership regarding that. He wanted to yeah. be out there with the guys. And early in the morning, I'd pull up on a Saturday morning to a tournament. I'd roll the windows down. There'd be 30 guys in the parking lot. They'd all say, where's your dad? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what about me? <laughs> they didn't See, care where Aaron was. <laughs> they, you know what though? You know why? Yeah. Because he was interested in them. Yeah, that's. And it's just a lot more enjoyable way to re- live your life yeah. when you're investing in these relationships. So, Aaron, with respect to your time, I have one more thing for you. Yeah, it sure, wasn't man. on wasn't on my notes, but we talked about this a little bit before we got started. Uh-huh. I grew up, and if I could, I'll share a quick little story with you. I grew up going to garage sales with, with my grandma. She passed away when I was 15. I was very close to her, Grandma Pat. And uh, she, you know, she took us kids, and we would go out. Grandpa, Grandpa Jack would make biscuits and gravy in the morning, and we'd get up, and they'd circle newspaper ads, and we'd go out garage selling all, all morning, right? Some of the funnest memories as for me from my childhood. And uh, we would listen to Johnny Cash. We would listen to uh, Willie Nelson. You know, we would listen to that old country <laughs> And so yeah. I, I, I had developed this ear for Johnny Cash and this love for him as a boy. And as I got older, dealing with my own issues, the, the, um, the relevance of his life just really touched me that, of that good side and that dark side, right? And so yeah. it's very, um, very relatable for me. Now, as an artist, love is music, of course, too. I, I think I told you my son's name is, is Cash. It's Cassius, mm-hmm. actually. We call him Cash. Then I find out that you knew Johnny Cash and that he was a client of yours. I would love if you could share a little a little nugget, maybe something out there that nobody knows, or some sort of uh, some sort of um, story or something cool that you have a, a good memory of the of the great Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, Johnny was a great guy. Um, you know, we didn't vacation or anything together, yeah. but he was <laughs> he was a client of mine. And he was very well respected and very well liked here locally. Matter of fact, my older brother years ago when he was a teenager was hitchhiking here in Hendersonville. I live in Hendersonville. It's where Johnny lived. And he said he looked up ahead of him and this black Cadillac pulled over to pick him up. And he didn't have a clue who it was. He ran up, he got in the car and he looked over and it was Johnny Cash. (laughs) And he said, come on, son, where you want to (laughs) go? And he took, that's the kind of heart he had. He really was that kind of guy for real. And so, uh, he used to come in our pawn shop and, uh, he would buy jewelry and he would buy enough to last six months or a year to give gifts out, you know, to his kids. And I knew his kids, they came in all the time as well. But, uh, there towards the end, you know, he really got pretty sick and he yeah. came in and 
he'd have to take a little break and he would sit there and just kind of rest. And, you know, you just had to be patient with him. And it kind of hurt me to see him that way at sure. the end because he was such a fun loving kind of guy, but he was just the real deal. His, uh, his house burned down recently, a couple of years ago, Barry Gibbs bought it once Johnny died and, uh, he was going to restore it. And during the renovation project, it burned down. And, uh, anyway, T.G. Shepard is a friend of mine now, and T.G. lives here in Hendersonville, just not far from Johnny Cash's property. And uh-huh. he and Barry Gibbs were talking at one time about splitting that property and each of them building a house on it. And we had the construction company, so we were going to talk to him about building the house. But they were just real people, to answer your question. Yeah, I mean, you could yeah. see him out somewhere. Or, I mean, he's very approachable. He would always you know, give autographs or take pictures or whatever. He wasn't uh, showy. Uh, he was just a normal guy, lived in a nice house on the lake. You know, it wasn't extravagant. I mean, he could have lived in a much more extravagant place, but it was nice. Yeah. He was just, that's the reason I liked him so much is because he wasn't all the, you know, he would come out and take pictures and talk and he was just a normal guy. Yeah. So yeah, I miss him. Yeah. I, li- I, I love a lot of the, uh, the, the stuff before he passed that he recorded you could, uh, and I, I'll, I'll put my son down to sleep at night and I'll play it. Um, you know, him and I sitting there and we'll pray a little bit and we'll, you know, I'll put him to sleep and man, you can hear, you can hear the, obviously the passion in his oh, voice, man. but you can hear the death in his voice too. As, yeah. as kind of crazy as that is to say, he knew, you know, his, his time was coming. He was getting old, sure. just amazing, amazing piece of, um, of art and of, of love really too. So I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that with me, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome, man. Hey, before I go, I brought a little gift for your listeners. Oh, wow. Can I give it wow. away? Absolutely, okay? man. Yes, that'd be great. Well, let me tell you what it is. So there's three documents I use every day. One of them is called a personal assessment. I wrote this years ago, and there's about uh, 30 questions on it, and it talks about your ideals, your identity, what you tie your identity up in, relationships, your faith, family, career. It's just thought-provoking questions. There's not a right or wrong answer. It's just to kind of get you thinking. There's another document I wrote called Steps to a Productive Day. I think people are missing out because they're not living intentionally. They're living reactively and not proactively. This document, one of the questions on it is, if you had no geographic or financial limitations, what would you do tomorrow? Most people can't answer that question. They don't even know what they would do tomorrow because they're trying to grind it out, just live one more day. I teach people to live proactively, not reactively. The third thing is called steps to a productive day. And there's a, it's like a to-do list on steroids. You go down through your day each and every day to be more productive. I've taken the price off all those and I'm going to give them to you. So here's what I've done. I've got a, uh, landing page, you go to viewfromthetop.com forward slash sobriety, S-O-B-R-I-E-T-Y, forward slash sobriety, all in lowercase letters. And uh, I've made those documents for free. You just go there and download them, and hopefully they'll help you live a more successful and significant life. Aaron, thank you so much, man. That's really kind of you to do. Uh, Where, if anyone else wants to get further information about that, they just go to viewfromthetop.com as well, right? Yeah, all my contact information there. My phone number's on there and my email. Uh, if you want to get involved in mastermind groups or you want to join our community, the best deal we got going right now is our community. We have guys from all over the world participating every 
every week, every day, every month. I mean, it's a private forum that I interact on. It's $37 a month. So if you want to get really hooked up and you get involved, you join the community. Yeah. Go to viewfromthetop.com. You can click on it there. And there's no contract. If you don't like it, get out. I don't want you in there if you're not getting value. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. want, I want to give you value. And so yeah. uh, that's by far the best thing we got going right now. Well, I'm going to be out in the beautiful Nashville next month for the Foundations Recovery Network uh, Behavioral Health Conference, doing some podcasting uh, out there. You man. and I are so going to hook up. I, I eat a burger or something. I so. would love to do that. I would love to do that. So maybe we can chat about that later. I, I appreciate sure. your time today, Aaron. Thank you, sir. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you. All right. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Would love to hear your feedback on Twitter, on Facebook. Check out Foundations Recovery Network. Also, go get the I Am Sober app. It kicks ass. Sign up at thatsoberguy.com for the members-only email list. You'll get some great resources, access to the free six quick tips to quit drinking guide, and also the private Facebook group, Sober Guy, Sober Girl. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.